Welcome to the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Graby. Life is an incredible gift and it's over before we know it. How do we live it fully, live it intentionally, and live it well? Each week, we'll lean in and learn together what it means to live it well. Yeah, and you're going to hear from some amazing inspirational leaders, mentors, and friends that have impacted our life on a personal level. Leaders like John Eldridge. You've got to know your story. What was it I once dreamed of? You can't neglect the heart and get away with it. Suzanne Stabile. Once we can accept our difference, we can find what we hold in common. And Aaron Nequist. We want to be a community that doesn't just believe things about Jesus, but learns how to rearrange our lives to put his words into practice for the sake of the world. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Let's get started. Well, it's season two, y'all. Man, we are so excited to kick this thing off right with our good friend, Kay Wyma. Yeah, and if you don't know Kay, you're going to fall in love with her today. Kay is a best-selling author, a blogger, and a mother of five. I think that's the most impressive yep. thing, right? We Pretty all sure. know that being a mom of five takes yes. a lot. She's also a fellow Dallas... 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 Dallas-tonian. Lives in Dallas-tonian. She also lives in Dallas. There we go. That's that, what we're going to say. That works out good. Yep. Kay is on a mission to tackle huge issues in our society, like youth entitlement, comparison issues, and now she's taking on the stress and anxiety that comes from being overwhelmed. Man, I need this message. Mm -hmm. She wrote a brand new book called Not the Boss of Us, putting overwhelmed in its place in a do-all and be-all world. Kay's appeared on all the huge shows, The Today Show, CNN, USA Today, Focus on the Family, NPR, and more. She's a pretty big deal. We had such a blast chatting with Kay. As you'll soon discover, she's one of us, y'all. Ready and willing to skip the chit-chat and dive right into the good stuff. Kay shared so much good stuff with us that we actually had to make this a two-part episode. And so in our first episode, we talk about her journey of stumbling into what she calls being an accidental writer. And the message that started her whole career, this concept of ending entitlement, both in our kids and in ourselves. So huge. Yeah, so important. And then next episode, we talk about her brand new book about being overwhelmed. She talks about how you can overcome that and find victory in your life there. It really is a great conversation. Yeah, we were so impacted by our conversations with Kay, and we know you will be too. So without further ado, here's Kay. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We're here today with our special friend, Kay Wyma. She's amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, you guys are sweet to have me. We are excited to jump into all the things and all the projects that you've done. But before we get started, could you share a little bit of your story, who you are, what you do? Just let our listeners know what you're all about. Well, I'm Kay. I'm married to John. We have five kids. The oldest is 21 and the youngest is 11. In a former life, I used to, <laughs> you know, it's sort of so funny because I got to work at the White House, which was a blast. It was nice. during the Herbert Walk, George, George Herbert Walker Bush administration, and I was a lead advance. So I traveled all over the world and nice. have been to every state except Alaska. And not very glamorous, I'm just telling you. I was so happy <laughs> to drive up to a hotel and the doors be on the inside. You know, it was like, mm -hmm. oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I did that and I was in investment banking and John and I met each other at Thunderbird getting our MBAs and 
we got married and just had kids right off the bat. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> not sure where I was in health class to understand <laughs> how that worked. And then we just kept having kids. And I, we had decided when, uh, even before we got married, that if we had children and were blessed with that, I would stay home. So that was back in a day and age where they were just putting their feet into the waters of job sharing for women in corporate America. And I tried that a little bit and it was just so hard and the kids kept coming. And so I pretty much exclusively just stayed at home with the kids. So for about, well, since I started writing and I, I will call myself an accidental writer, according to me, Mm. because I didn't mean to do that. I just was mad about some stuff that was going on in society. And I thought all these people around me, these young gals at church were doing blogs. And I was like, oh, I'm so like doing that, you know, and and I got a book deal out of it. And so I have found myself in this interesting world that um, has really just been a pleasure it's hard and good all at the same time. And what a treat to get to share what the Lord has taught me about his truth as we navigate cultural trends and societal trends that bombard us every day. Yeah. I love that. Well, I know there's so many people out there that go, oh, cool. I want to write a book. I want to whatever. So right. you didn't have some massive, massive social media following, right? You didn't follow some kind of formula. And I'd, I'd just love to hear a little bit, like, did you feel like it was a burden that God had put on your heart? You were fired up. You're more mad and it just kind of happened. Like, walk us through that. Because I know there's a lot of people listening go, I want to write a book. How do I just get upset one day and get published? How does, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And it doesn't seem right or fair. But um, I think for me, I wouldn't be doing it if I hadn't, if it hadn't happened this way, because it wasn't something that I grew up wanting to do. I really was a I loved what I did in investment banking, and I always thought I would go back to that. And so it was a surprise. And I started writing because a message was put on my heart. The blog that I have is called The Moat Blog, and it's Mothers of Adolescents and Teens. And as my children started to get older, I noticed some messaging that was affecting them and their friends, and it really bothered me because I knew it wasn't true. And I had been involved with MOPS, getting the speakers and stuff for MOPS, and I was like, we need MOPS, like Mothers of Teens, but we can't go to a meeting. And I was oh my gosh, you know, this blogging stuff and the internet has a lot of opportunity. Why not put it out there so people can look at it in their car, like while they're waiting in the carpool line and I'll get the speakers. And so I started getting guest bloggers and thought, well, it'd be fun to, you know, you need something fodder for people to come to your blog. And I got mad at my kids one day for, you know, one of them said something a little snarky on the way to school where he thought that he could have the Porsche that was driving in front of us when he turned 16. And I was like swallowing the vomit in my... (laughs) And and I was like, oh, I'm going to put everything in this house on your plates. And that became, and I was like, now that would be funny. And that was the funny fodder that filled the days of what I thought was actually the meat of the blog were these guest bloggers going, here's, here's how to navigate this landscape of adolescents and teens. Mm -hmm. And it hit a nerve almost instantly, the independence part, because Mm the trend towards entitlement is so huge and you don't even realize you're doing it. It absolutely a hundred percent steals from any person that gets involved in anything entitlement. And I saw it with my kids and you have five children. And so it is 
unlikely that you are enabling your children because your house, you can't. I mean, it's like, fuck with that. They have to do it all themselves because you can't. can't. Yeah, you're right. You physically can't. I wasn't a hoverer and I wasn't paving the road for my kids. I was sort of like, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank goodness, you know, you're no one's calling CPS that I let my kid walk in the front yard by themselves, you know, something (laughs) or that our plugs weren't like having things in the sockets. And so it easily became something that I didn't realize could be in a book because it bothers everybody. And so I had a friend that said, you need to, you need to write a book. And I'm sort of like, ha ha, that's real funny. I don't do that. And have you read my stuff? I mean, it's like totally just what I think. And she goes, no, no, it's really good. You need to do that. And she connected me with a friend. And through that, I ended up getting an agent, which I would say for people that want to write a book, that is actually a really important important leg of the stool. I think of it as a stool and I'm just one of the legs. I just am providing material. And I have my agent who is like a gatekeeper going, this is worth saying. And this, you know, that's a nice thought. Yeah. And, uh, and then I have the publisher who's like the other gatekeeper going, yes, this is something that, that needs to be done. And then for me, it allows me to walk freely in something that I feel comfortable and don't feel comfortable doing because it makes it completely an act of obedience. And that I think is important. It's Mm -hmm. like, what's your giftedness? What is your purpose? Because every single human being is woven with unique, like Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E purpose that has been from the get-go, like before they were even in their mother's womb. And it's interesting because genetics is proving that now with the with the discovery of the genome, actually are realizing that even identical twins aren't identical. They are unique. Every single person woven within them has purpose for them. And it's like, what is yours? I didn't I wouldn't have said, oh, I'm going to be a writer, but I enjoy it. I like it. And it's something that comes easy to me. And I was I was educated to be able to understand how nouns and verbs and adverbs and adjectives work to the point where I can enjoy it and have fun with it. And so that happened to be in my wheelhouse and it happened to have a door that opened. And let me tell you, if a door opens, you walk. Mm-hmm. And if a door doesn't open, you don't shove it open. That's at, good. At least it seems that way to me. That's my, you know, viewpoint. I pray that the Lord does open it. And man, you have to be patient. Yeah. It takes years. And in this day and age where things are instant, it's hard to be able to patiently put one foot in front of the other. And I think that's where truth with a capital T comes in and plays its part because it's like, who am I listening to? Who am I trusting? And where am I finding my worth and my identity? Well, in the ground that never moves or in the ground that shifts every, I mean, to say every five years is is like not even true because it's every five minutes now mm-hmm. that the ground shifts. And so, yeah. but the one that, that is the ground that, that that's centered on, boy, that's worth it. Mm-hmm. So I got into writing. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I love it. That's the best way to get into anything by yeah, being obedient. And I love the um, I love the piece in there of the friend who pushed you. Yeah, that's you know cool. I, I think I think that's the thing that we we all need to recognize if we have those urgings in our life or people that we see and we go I got to call this out on you because I yeah. see this gift and I love that. God use that person in that way. Absolutely. So I want I want to jump into your book, Cleaning House, your first book that you started with. I read it years ago, and it was so huge. Um, now that we have five kids, it's even more important because, <laughs> like you said, there's no way that we can do it all. Right. And I think it's more than that. You know, you really I think it, it struck a chord with so many people because this generation that we're creating of entitled 
all about me focused kids, it's a really huge deal. So I'd love to hear kind of exactly how you landed on that and maybe some of the lessons that God's taught you on the other side of writing it. Well, the biggest lesson on the other side is that people have worth. And when you have entitlement, you're stealing that person. So what I did in the book, I literally set each month a task to do. And to me, it was sort of like on the other, when, when they get out of my house more than anything, I really hope that they're independent, which is what we hope. And so society would say, oh no, when they get out of your house, they need to be able to get into a great school. You need a good GPA. You need to be on the right team, all these kinds of things. And so we, we trudge ahead and fight and fight and fight to make sure that all that happens. But really what gives a child confidence confidence is the words, you know, you can do this and then putting meat on them by letting them do it. But it's so hard because everybody really is doing that. I mean, every, there's not even just a trend, but an expectation that you would check your kids homework before they go to school to make sure it's all right. Because, you know, the self-esteem, you don't want them to get like a zero or or 50, like a 50 would be real next to the kid that has a hundred whose parent checked everything because that's what you're supposed to do. But if you pull it back and even take perspective from your own life, you know, did your parents even see your report card? I got it every six weeks, you know. And <laughs> I made sure my parents didn't see my report card. I was very disciplined with that. <laughs> Can you imagine if your parents had access to it all day, every day, through, you know, throughout the school year mm-hmm. and that the, they would be expected to look at it? Mm-hmm. And so that's the ground that's laid and you live in it, but you don't have to be of it. And so it's like, you don't have to check those kids' grades every day because it's really not healthy for anybody, you know? And right. so, so that's um, probably one of the biggest take takeaways is that kids can do so much more than, than we think they can, for sure more than they think they can. And if you give the ability to do these things that they don't think they can do, man, it makes their legs strong, you know, Mm -hmm. and it is a road paved with failure and it's brutal. But man, you learn so much about failure, about just how to get back up. And it helps a kid know what they're good at, which goes back to that purpose and gifting. It's likely that their purpose and gifting is not yours. It may be, but it's highly likely that it isn't. I will go into my kitchen today and there will be the most loveliest, terribly delicious baked good that a daughter of mine will have made or even a, a sauce for tonight from her fresh basil that she grew from seeds because she is so good in the kitchen. I am so bad in the kitchen. I never, like, even when I got married, someone had given us a waffle iron. I made waffles like four nights a week because I did not know how to cook. And so, and, I, and this kid is gifted. I mean, she's so good at it and it gives her such joy. She loves folding the laundry. Who likes folding the laundry? I mean, what's that? And She's a unicorn. She is a unicorn. unicorn. (laughs) Maybe she is a unicorn. (laughs) So funny. But I I don't know what that aptitude that's in her, but there's something about woven within chores in your house is the essence of so many things that you were likely created to do. And the beautiful thing is that there's always someone on the other side receiving it. And so there's a load of other centeredness 
woven within it too. And I found that just life giving, even in the most rude tantrum that was going on, you know? Yeah. That's half the battle I think is letting them do it, you know, because it's so much easier if I just do it, you know, and it'll get done the way I want it to if I do it. But I'm, I love how you point out that we're robbing them of an opportunity, not only to learn how to do something that's just, you know, a discipline and maybe finding something that they love and that they're gifted at. That's huge. Well, and it takes a lot of fear out of trying things too. Yes. Um, I, one of my kids the other day said, oh, I'm going to do this and then followed up with, but you know, I'm going to, it's going to be gross, like whatever it is. Cause he was making something it's, it's going to be terrible. And he, and he said, cause he loves to draw. I had no idea. This one just was so gifted that way. And he goes, it's when I mess up that I actually learn how to do it. Mm. And I thought, wow, cause that you would steal that from them too. And they're people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, our son the other day went to this large student conference and a bunch of kids around or whatever. And he, you know, he decided to let's try my hand at ping pong. And uh, he comes home and goes, I'm really good at ping pong. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, Mom, I had no idea. I like beat 20 kids at ping pong. I beat high schoolers. He's in middle school, you know? Yeah. And he was just beaming, you know, because he tried something new. But, you know, we try and instill in him just go for it, dude. You see it. Like, you know, with all these kids around, you could have failed and he he might, you know, might have. But the fact that he wasn't afraid to try it was so, so important. Now, what a great gift to give a middle schooler. Right, Because, you know, you've got everyone so scared of the cell phone and all that's going on with social media and that kind of stuff. And if you put a kid that's independent in that, that actually has found his self-worth in something other than those things, I'm Mm. convinced that that is one of the biggest ways to be able to navigate those roads that are so scary. Yeah. Yeah. So let's point people to some hope here because we, you're right. We do have kind of this me epidemic going on in our world, but what are just a couple practical things that we can do people listening both personally to rid our own selves of entitlement, but also lead the way for our kids? Well, I think a big part is what we've talked about as far as just actually stepping out and believing that they can do more, that that ground is solid And I think so much of this, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first Mm -hmm. to believe and recognize that even you have purpose and self-worth and that your identity, I think there's a trend today that parents feel like that they're judged on how their kids are doing. And because there's this phrase, oh, you're such a good parent. And so it's almost like the kid is a product because we've moved into this transactional product-driven society and we put people in that category. And it's like, no, no. But you've really got to be sitting there going, no. And the truth of the matter is, all you have to do is try. And uh, in itself, it starts to to just put joy into your path, which I know y'all have seen too. It's like, even what you said, I want to do it because it's so much easier for me to do it myself. I remember lamenting one day going, why did I do this? Like, yeah, why did I? Because you draw the line in the sand and I put it on a blog. And I was like... (laughs) Oh my gosh, I have to no turning this. back. Yeah, no, I was I was sitting on the couch and I was like, but wait, I'm sitting on the couch and I look over and there's a kid like scurrying around in the kitchen who was a little kid. He was eight years old and he was making dinner for everybody, which was pretty much combining stuff. You know, it wasn't anything huge. Right. And he was like cleaning the table because he wanted people to enjoy his dinner. And there was and he cleaned the kitchen. And I was like, Okay, breathe. Just do it because they are worth it. And to me, that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned through all of it. And then don't die to the process. I had to catch myself even in the middle going, why are we doing this? Because there's so many things that you can 
do to put stuff on their plate. And then you make it about them being independent. And I was like, no, they just need to know how to do this stuff. It's not that they're doing it all correctly and they're doing it all perfectly and, you know, thing after thing. Cause I really did find 12 areas of life where they participated as it became their area of life from the kitchen to the bathroom, to the laundry, to the, you know, they tried their hand at handyman stuff and throwing a party. And I mean, all these kinds of things, which if I had stayed doing that every single day, I could have made it neurotic. Mm -hmm. And um, it really became so much more about them. Even the whole thing of an allowance and how to reward them that exited pretty quickly because I was so bad at it. Um, you know, I forget and then I would borrow it, you know, whatever their <laughs> And um, it just kept going back to it being about the person. This is about a person. And there was so much satisfaction that they found in just doing these tasks. Mm, that's amazing. So good. Well, it's impacted our family in a great way. So we can't that's thank so you glad. enough for writing it. And we're going to leave you guys with a cliffhanger. <laughs> what a great conversation with Kay. It was. We hope you were as impacted as we were. And we hope you'll check out part two of our conversation with Kay, which is all about learning how to kick overwhelm to the curb. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. As always, you can find all the information for today's episode in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. And we're going to close out the show like we always do. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it it well. well.